Hello and welcome to Head Above the Clouds podcast. And for what seems like forever ago, we are pleased to say we are back following the launch of our pilot series with even more conversations around mental health, well-being, guest experiences and endeavours, and boy does it feel good. For those of you who are new to our podcast, a big hello from the HATC team. Here at HATC, we continue to create spaces where people can find a moment's escapism or even a bit of respite. So take a moment, settle in, and welcome to the community and world that is ahead of the clouds. Hello, and welcome to Head Above the Clouds podcast with me, Alice G. And me, Jade Poltney. We're here to have open and honest conversations about mental illness and hopefully give some advice about how to keep your head above the clouds. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Head Above the Clouds. I hope you've all had a lovely week, the last week of lockdown too. We have been super busy at HATC HQ, making something very exciting for you all. So stay tuned till the end of this episode to hear all about that. Or, you know, go over to our Instagram page if you're impatient, I suppose. This week, we are joined by East London-based artist Jones, aka Cherie Jones-Mattis. Her latest release, Camera Flash, came out in August with more new tunes on the way. We got to speak all about how she hacked her way into the music industry, her lifelong experience with mental illness, and some cool new anxiety relief techniques that she learned over lockdown. So let's just get into it. I am ready when you are. Perfect. Yeah, so we'll start with um, how, how have you been over the last few months in lockdown, really? Yes, well... Um... I won't lie, it's been a, you know, roller coaster. It's been up and down. I think the beginning for me was really uh, strange and probably for a lot of people, um, just having your your freedom and your liberty kind of taken away from you. Um, and then a lot of parts of your livelihood, like, for example, a lot of my life is spent uh, in the studio working with other people mm. and that was gone. So mm. then as a human, I kind of, I've felt quite useless over this period. And then obviously... Uh, releasing music but not being able to play shows so you're just kind of throwing this like stuff into the digital world but you're not really getting any tangible feedback so it's been strange but then in a way it's been really nice for my creativity because I've just had a lot of time a lot of time (laughs) (laughs) on my hands to um, explore that a bit deeper and maybe spend more time there rather than always moving on to the next thing next song next studio session so it's been a real mixed bag. It's um, it hasn't, yeah, it hasn't been. Uh, every day is kind of different as well. Yeah, I think as well. I know from conversations we've had with um, artists, is a lot of this is is their identity they felt was lost. Mm. You know, in your life is about you know touring and uh, and you yeah. say working. Even like when you're off stage, you're still working, collaborating with you know producers, other artists, and that's your day to day like identity. Exactly. And it was it was like gone overnight. Gone. And no, not like, okay, you're going away, traveling for a bit. I'm going to come back and, you know, resume my routines. Kind of gone indefinitely. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, that's interesting that you bring up identity because I definitely relate with that as well. Because, yeah, being an artist, you know, I, I love, you know, part of why I do it is because I really want to 
be a positive force in the world. Um, like my one of my biggest musical idols is like Bob Marley, and I always aspire to his lyrics, and I always try and bring that into what I'm saying. But um, yeah, when you're not able to do that, it kind of you question why am I? I don't know why am I doing this? Is yeah. it kind of like a selfish selfish pursuit? Is it really giving something back? It's just totally confusing. Yeah, I think also as well. There's that time. I think a lot of musicians feel like there's a time frame mm. with produ- producing things and the journey, and they get to a point where obviously the the industry is not the easiest of industries at all. You know, it's quite cutthroat. So you get to a point where you think, is you, you know relating to what you just said there that you think is is this it? Is mm. this enough time? And I think COVID for a lot of people brought that that period of time where they think is now the time to do something else or to mm. give up on it. So I don't know. I don't know whether you you felt you know in COVID that I'm you know as our yeah, government well, are pushing yeah. at the moment oh to God, retrain. There's horrendous posters of like oh, the ballerina. Like she yeah. doesn't. She her her next job might be in tech or whatever. It's yeah. like I posted a hilarious meme of Boris Johnson in like a ridiculous. I think he'd been he'd done a bungee jump or something, <laughs> and he was in a suit, but he was wearing this ridiculous harness. And was that the zip wire one? Yeah, yeah, the zip yeah. wire. And it said like Boris's like next job might be as a piñata or something <laughs> <laughs> just to be like like right back at you like um, it was so insulted yeah hugely insulted i know and they're all kind of protected in their jobs yeah you know they're just so detached from what other people are going through but but yeah i've definitely um yeah questioned what i'm doing where i'm going what i want to do um why why do i do what i do you know is is there a sustainable future in it so definitely had all these questions um but um thankfully you know streaming is is you know keeping us going for yeah. a lot of us i know for a lot of musician friends all of the work has evaporated overnight so that's tough um mm. i'm actually just in the middle of uh, planning some live streams but they've been cut as well because they're not technically allowed to kind of rehearse and uh, be in the same room because of the tier two rules and stuff like that so it's just like oh my god just when we thought that we're gonna get some stuff but we'll we'll find a way we might just have to do it like a like a zoom I don't know we'll have to get creative yeah Yeah. it's complicated because I mean I think the rules they as much as they think they're a clear cut image mm. they're not you know and I know there's the there's the rules for like a workplace but it's whether they dictate like what's work what's work exactly, exactly. It's such a gray area I mean I'm kind of checking the the guidelines every day and mm. really I'm finding that you know different paper like newspapers are, and outlet sources are saying different things so it's super confusing yeah yeah super confusing because mm. I mean working in a in a studio recording a live stream is work mm. in this industry that mm-hmm. is a job yeah people you know that brings in it revenue is. and um it's whether they d- whether they decide that's work mm. or not because it's not sat behind a desk, a desk in a, a company exactly. I guess it's yeah, yeah we just have to do what we do and hope that everything will be okay hopefully mm. I mean fingers crossed touch wood twenty twenty one is as much as a writer well, mm. yeah, let's hope it can't can't get too too us. So you grew up with your your mum. Was it in London? Yes. Um, was I guess music for you was that always something that you had been into, and from an early age? Very much, very much. I remember having two ambitions in life. One was to be a singer, and one was to be a mermaid. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I I'm still that. working on the mermaid one, but um. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I think, I mean, music was a huge part of, uh, this is falling off, 
of my mum's life as well. And I always say that music was like pumped into the womb. And it was definitely a thing that she used uh, to get through hard times. Like she yeah. definitely, I experienced her going through some like quite heavy depression yeah. like on and off throughout my whole life. So I, yeah, sh the music would get louder when the times were harder, mm. I always say. And um, I think I absorbed that and it, you know, it's therapy to me. It's like, it lifts my spirits. Um, it brings, you know, helps me connect with people and myself, work yeah. through things that are going on in my brain that I don't know even happening. And um, so it's always been there. I love that. I think music has is a, well, it is a therapy in itself. Definitely. You know, music therapy is, I've experienced is hugely helpful. And I love the fact that the music um, gets louder. I'm like that when yeah. I'm, when my bipolar's off or something, you, mm -hmm. my parents can always tell. Yeah. Not only by the way I speak to them, but like how I behave and, mm -hmm. and if they can hear like, if I'm home booming music, they're like, okay. Or if I'm stressed yeah. or, or, or even by like the songs. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you find that, but there's like a certain maybe genre or playlist that gets played when you're in one certain mood mm -hmm. and then another in an, another one. Yeah, um, definitely. But no, I love that. Um, obviously then you had, you experienced mental health from from a younger from a young would you say mm -hmm. young age very young very young yeah I've always been aware of like dark clouds yeah. both for my mum and myself and I think I think as a child I mean I'm learning so much interesting stuff about how we inherit um things from our ancestors and it's literally in our DNA um and I found that quite empowering because sometimes I wondered why do I feel this way mm. um and now I understand well if you're in a certain environment, that's going to affect you. Mm -hmm. If you learn certain behaviors from your your elders, mm -hmm. your parents, that's going to affect you. And then learning about my family history as well. There's a lot of trauma in that as well. So no wonder, you know, but it, I think something really beautiful and empowering is that we can change it. Yeah. And I've been reading a lot about how thoughts can literally change or reprogram your DNA. So, you know, things like affirmation. Mm -hmm doing some exercise, you know, doing something that makes you happy does have an effect on these things that we carry with us. So, yeah, mm. I think a lot of it's to do with being predisposed to it. Mm -hmm. And I think I agree when it comes to DNA, I believe that there, there well, there, it's documented there is a factor, but there, there's also a factor in everything from sleep mm -hmm. to, as you say, like behavioural that you pick up from your environment. Um, and I think also a lot of creatives find their pre predisposed to to mental health not only because of the work they're in and the schedules and the jobs and the hours um but but um creativity there is that link definitely um it's very common isn't it yeah, yeah very very common it is yeah but I also think I guess creativity also has its place in in helping mm. as much as it maybe makes you see predisposed um I think blessing and a curse it, yeah, yeah. no I, I agree I think you have to have quite um sensitivity in a in a you know if you're creating a, a visual art or like a you know a sonic art or you know other types of creativity to to be able to pick up on those subtle connections um and like put your own spoon in it, it it kind of leans itself to the more sensitive person so of course sensitive people can be a bit you know yeah um more susceptible to these things how did how did it affect then so your mum was a single parent. Yes. How did that then feed in to growing up in that, you know, in that environment where it's already hot, it can be hard work? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I won't lie. It was it was definitely very difficult. And I, I'm, you know, I, I think I've always been quite empathetic as well. So I, I always kind of felt quite responsible for the sadness that my mum was going through. 
and uh, always wanted to lift her up. And don't get me wrong, she wasn't down all the time, but no. you know, when she was, she was. And um, yeah, I think that's definitely kind of affected me as a person. Um, but it definitely makes me, you know, more sympathetic and aware of other things I see now, like in my friends, because I've been through it. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely a huge factor on on both of our lives. And is it fed in? You mentioned that you have like anxieties sometimes with performing. Mm-hmm. And was it stage fright? How did I mean? In a way, I guess when you're kind of you witness this and you experience that, it gives you a bit more over time experience with dealing with mental health. Mm. Um, has that been something when it comes to performing that has maybe helped having that experience, or actually has it done the opposite? Do you think? That's interesting. I don't know. Um, I mean, I've always been fiercely stubborn as well. So <laughs> even when I, you know, I felt sick, like when I was younger before going on stage and things like that, I was just like, I'm going to do this. I don't yeah. care what I have to do to get through it. Like my mum says my first uh, phrase was like, I can do it. <laughs> so that's been like my little motto throughout life. So like whatever it throws at me, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to get through this one way or another. I saw like my stage anxiety is like, I saw it I almost kind of saw it as a thing, like a like a monster. It's like you are an obstacle to what I want to do. I'm not yeah. going to let you uh, dominate my life. So I just did things to to kind of uh, get myself out of my comfort zone, get myself more familiar with the environment, do it over and over again until my brain learned that oh, I can do this and it's not so scary. I mean, I think it's natural. Like any performer, you always get a bit of, um, you know, nerves before, but nothing like it used to be. So I'm quite proud of that. That's a good affirmation. I think that, as you said earlier, having affirmations is quite... I think people underestimate the power mm-hmm. of of the word, if I put it that way. Yeah, they're hugely you know, powerful. It does transform. make... It does. It does mm. make a huge difference. Um, so you went to... You were part of Brady Arts Centre. Yes. Um, which is funded by the Arts Council. Mm-hmm. Um, and was it a school programme? No, I, I started there, I think I was about 14 or 15, and it was completely separate from school. I yeah. um, I didn't really in, enjoy secondary school, um, and I really needed to be part of something else um, socially as well. So I joined it. I think I used to go on like evenings yeah. and maybe some weekends and I, I found a really beautiful group of people and the staff there were amazing and I had my first singing lessons there and learned how to uh, produce music and do performances. And yeah, it was such a huge part of my life, to be honest, looking back. Mm. How important do you think having those community sort of funded um, institutions, would you call them, are for young people, especially in, in working class areas, yes. to open them up to that industry, especially you know now with austerity anyway, but the new cuts that COVID's had coming into these sort of programs. Mm. How was that being in that community sort of led space? Was it like seeing other kids come in as well and seeing creating a group environment? Yeah, I mean, all of these things, it was massively, it was pivotal for me. Mm. Um, And I think for a lot of the other children there as well, you know, when you're coming from a sort of impoverished background and you don't have access to certain resources, going somewhere where you can do the thing you love and then, you know, get that feedback of feeling good about yourself uh, is so important as a child because I definitely didn't feel like that in school. I, um, yeah, I had a hard time in school, not like academically, but with the other people. Mm. So I didn't really... 
identify with them. So it was so important for me as a you know young teenager to find people that I could relate to. And this was pre pre the height of social media, so you yeah. couldn't just go and like log into a community back then. Um, so it's so important. So it's it's really tragic that people are losing these opportunities because kids need you know a positive creative mm -hmm. outlet. They need to feel good about themselves. They need to feel proud. They need to relate to people. And they need to develop that side of themselves if they're not going to get it from home and they're not going to get it from school. It's, um, yeah, they're desperately needed, yeah, especially now. Definitely something I recognised growing up in, in the Northwest mm -hmm. in a very, very, I always joke people like, oh, I grew up in the town that Billy Elliot was set in. <laughs> Essentially, it's that very sort of similar environment of like, no, everyone in here does this thing. We all work in these places. Mm. You want to go and do art or music or drama. That's not what anyone here does. And you sort of get it from home and then the school environment is very much charged at, you know, you're going to get your five C's and you're going to leave and you're going to get a job and do what everybody else does. So having, like I had a drama school called Action Transport where we would go and we'd learn how to write plays and learn how to stage direct and stage manage and make sets. It's really, you know, getting these young working class kids into this industry to sort of diversify it as well because when you then go in like I have moving to London and trying to get my foot in the door here and you realize oh all these people went to Sylvia Young or they went to the Brit school and they've all had these opportunities from birth and no one's ever discouraged them from going into mm. it they've never had someone go oh no that's not for you I think I think a lot of it's due in nurturing though I think a lot of whether it's the government or adults or just general society see these things as a hobby Hmm. And it's it's something, oh, you go and have a bit of fun after school when actually it's nurturing young people for a career. Exactly. And it's not just a hobby. It's and, not just and recreation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, hobbies and talents, they're great and they're wonderful and everyone should have them. And whether that's, you know, you just want to sing but you don't want to take it any further or act or dance. But for a lot of people, this is their only way they're going to have that nurturing environment to open doors in other areas and in future. And I think that they're, the government at least are starving that because they don't see it as important. It's terrible because if a child doesn't have the opportunity to learn and grow within that field and get the support to kind of, you know, progress, then they don't know that they could do that. They might, you know, fall into the wrong career path and mm. then fall into depression or, yeah. you know, suicide if they don't feel that they are doing something meaningful with their life. So... Yeah, I really, I really hope that, um, I don't know, I really hope that these things, these in institutions won't disappear altogether because that would be a real shame. I think also when, when kids say, you know, let's take uni, for example, and they say, oh, whether it's their parents or their peers or whoever, and they go, oh, do you know, what? I'm, I'm going to go and do a, a degree in engineering or, or science. There's a very different response a lot of the time yeah. to, oh, well, God, that's amazing. Let me find everything I can to help you progress in that. But as soon as you say, oh, I want to do a degree in music, music in or, arts, or the arts. Screenwriting. Or, or yeah. Like that. People go, or oh, how about you go do something academic first? As a backup. Uh, yeah. I mean, my dad, I love him to bits, but he, he didn't say it because he didn't believe in what I wanted to do. But he said it all. I'm nervous about you doing a creative... I mean, I did media in the end, so it was more of a... I guess it was part academic to, to do with it. But I said originally, I, I don't want to go to... Maybe I don't want to go to, you know, I want to just pursue music. And he said, oh, I'm worried. Like, do do we need you to go get a, this backup? 
And at the time I thought, oh, maybe, you know, and I, I'm glad I did what I did. Don't get me wrong. And it was, I was never pressured. I don't want that to be out there. I was never pressured, but I do think that there's that stigma when it comes to create creative. Yeah, definitely. I think it's almost like a, it's probably like a evolutionary survival thing kicking in when parents say that, because they're just thinking as, you know, worried parents, I want my kids to have stability. And in, I mean, our world is very different. What we know from, you know, our own lives and the people like our peers, you see that you can make a living out of the creative industries, Mm. but maybe a generation back, they would see it as too much of a wild card. But then obviously those words do stay with you and they do hold a certain power and you kind of have to spend your life proving yourself that, okay, no, mum wasn't right or dad, you know, I know that he cared, but it wasn't the truth what he said. So I wonder how much effort then goes into proving that Mm. than if it wasn't said or done and then just encouraged. Yeah. And you you actually went and did it. Exactly. I wonder how much effort. I think there are a lot of musicians out there and a lot of actors, a lot of writers who probably are driven in some way by the spite of it all. It's like, you know what? (laughs) I'm going to prove you wrong. And they're just driven solely by that sort of like desire to be like, you know what? I'm going to show you. (laughs) I can do this. Yeah. It may be, yeah. There's probably, you know, when someone tells you, it's like reverse psychology. It's quite motivating sometimes. So that's true. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You did go to uni for a year, didn't you? How do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> we do our research. <laughs> it's scary what's out there. Uh, I did. I did. I only went for a year. Um, sorry, commercial music, uh, University of Westminster. I did have a game plan. <laughs> Is this your attempt of... at cheating the system in a way? Well, I knew that... You know, I wanted to be a singer-songwriter, but I knew nothing about the industry. There was no one in my family or anyone in my life that, you know, close to me that could, you know, help me get in or learn about. It was like this mystery world. I used to go on YouTube and watch interviews with, like, Beyonce and Jay-Z and, like, successful artists and just try and learn how the industry worked. So I was like, okay, I need to get an education on this. But then I also knew or felt instinctively that I couldn't stay in the security of the education bubble for three years because, Mm. I mean, I could have, but I felt like I need to get out there and do it and write and perform and, you know, get on that path. So I kind of, yeah, I said all the things I needed to say to get in for my degree. (laughs) And then I left after a year when I kind of learned a bit about the overview. I think it's so important. I think, as you said, there's, there's not a lot, um, when it comes to it's one of those industries as well where it's quite elitist is probably the right mm-hmm. word you know the door's shut and if you're not already in that door by birth or through someone else mm. to get that door open is bloody difficult it's chained yes. it's got a key lock on it you know yeah. it's not an easy people yeah. think oh you just you just kind of wander in to the no. industry and you're set for life and it's it's couldn't be any further from the no, truth yeah. really yeah I've done a lot since I started working for the most recent company that I've worked for going into schools in my area and doing career talks with these kids who Mm -hmm. are taking music or taking drama and being like this industry is intentionally opaque Mm -hmm. they do it on purpose once you know what these words mean the terminology I I do compare it I think to politics and I compare it to like medicine it's like they will just throw words at you that no one understands what that word means Mm. even the people who work here don't understand what that word means they will just throw it at you to make you feel inferior and trying to break down those barriers with these kids because they've they've maybe seen oh god only like 
1% of people from my area have ever done anything creative. And then they start like, what is music publishing? And they're like, oh my God, this is so jargon heavy. Mm. And it's like all these percentage numbers. So going into those schools and like you have, it's really a case of having to like pow down these walls <laughs> and be like, no, like that just means this. And they're like, oh, oh, okay. This is really a, easy. It's the reality of it. Like, yeah. I think it's all very well, like, if you watch something or you research it, but actually come and do it. It's like, let's take um, shoots. Yeah. You know, it's all very well reading on the shoot. You have a stylist mm-hmm. and you do the hair and the makeup. But when it actually comes down to the day, unless you've, you you have the opportunity to learn from someone or shadow someone or have work experience, you don't, you, it's something you need to experience, I think. And a lot yeah. of time, if yeah. not, you go in and it, really overwhelms you I've been in situations where even though I I was very fortunate having some experience from my mum in the music industry where I went in and I was like this is not what I expected I don't know what I'm doing I feel uncomfortable maybe I shouldn't be here and I think that then feeds into also like the mental like the mental health element it I blame film and TV as well a oh, lot yeah. of the oh time. Romanticising it A lot of the time when <laughs> you talk to these kids and they're like, oh, so I just make a demo CD and I just send it to oh, Warner. God. And you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, but that's what so-and-so did on Killing Bono. And that's what oh, uh, or like reality. Elton John did on Rocketman. And you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's not what happens at all. <laughs> I think reality shows, like reality talent shows are really unhealthy as well. Like the way that they, uh, well, firstly, the way that they treat their artists. The majority of people that go through those shows, you know, they're all going in there with a dream and they just get exploited they yeah. have they tell their story they're on the show to serve an entertainment purpose and there's like no aftercare um for the people that come out the other end without the hit record you know and yeah. it's just they're used and abused yeah. and the idea that you just go and audition and then you go on this massive tour and then you know the label you know only picks you up if you've sold like x millions but then just but then you're still signed to the contract and you can't do anything else um if you're not one of those artists so i think it's massively unrealistic and unhealthy as well it definitely chips into the whole cutthroat attitude of it as well you're saying like Mm. this is a sort of gladiator winner takes all thing Mm. and anyone who doesn't win the x factor will never be a musician yeah but we're also shown the complete opposite of what it is we're shown from that as you said like you go on and they teach you and they try and have a mentor. So you're almost mentored in a weird way. But you're seen on that is afterwards you get the deal, you get lots of money, you live the high life. Yep. It's all really straightforward, really simple. When are we ever shown as musicians? I mean, I, I certainly wasn't the, the reality of the hours overnight you spend in a studio, the mm. writing, the the hard graft of going on your first tour, you don't get paid anything, where you can barely afford your rent. Where are we ever shown the reality? And mm. I think that leads to like almost really, you know, awful expectations, That's which then true. also damage your mental health because once you're not doing it, you're like, well, I failed. Mm. Straight up failed when actually you haven't failed that. You're actually achieving what everyone else is achieving, trying to do that. It's not going to be a click your fingers and you're yeah not everyone can just walk onto the x-factor yeah. at 16 and become harry styles overnight right? <laughs> exactly yeah it doesn't show the writing process the time it takes to find a sound and to you know the amount of songs that go into making an album as well it's a lot of work and the the social skills you need to like meet different people and be vulnerable like yeah. when i write a song with someone you have to be really vulnerable and i remember my first writing session it was so hard like i'd only known how to write alone and then being thrown into a room with like these two other older males and like, okay, so what have you got? It's like, 
I was mute. Wow. I couldn't. Yeah. It took me a while to kind of learn how to share my creative process. Yeah. And then it's finding the right people. Are they trustworthy? Are you on the same yeah. page? It's just so many different things that go into making music um, that is not spoken about. Yeah, it makes you think whether you want to, I think, I go back. I think writing, I agree, writing sessions with, with producers or, or anyone else, uh, I've, you know, they are they can be really uncomfortable. Mm. And then you think, do I, is this what it like? It's it's, it's a learning thing. And it's I think, a learning curve. It's trial and error. It's yeah. finding the right people. Mm-hmm. I always kind of approach it with the mentality of you kind of has, have to kiss a lot of frogs, which is maybe yeah. really old fashioned and really unhealthy. I don't know. Where does that idea come from that you have to ki- kiss a lot of frogs to, you know, find the prince? I think like, it comes down to that. thing, isn't it? It's pro- yeah. That work ethic that you once again in our industry, uh, you have to get work experience for free mm-hmm. well work for free I think is a lot of that it comes down to that and it looks exploited from the industry sadly mm-hmm. um it sounds like I don't love the industry I do love the industry <laughs> but there are, there are some we're having a rough patch <laughs> we're having a rough patch and yeah COVID's definitely definitely not helped with that mm-hmm. um so what's coming up what have so you got yes. coming up so yeah on a positive note um not that it's not positive to talk about the realities no. of life, but um, yeah, I'm working on an album and it is kind of, well, I thought it was almost done, but actually during COVID, I kind of went back to the drawing board a bit. So I'm kind of like midway through that and um, hoping for sometime next year, the end of next year for that to happen. But, you know, with these things, we'll see mm-hmm. what's going on in the world. But um yeah, just just writing, really writing, writing, writing. Um, enjoying that, enjoying. I think actually, not being able to be in so many sessions was hard in the beginning, but now it's forced me to learn new things and it's forced me to be way more proactive and take a lot more control, which I'm enjoying. So, um, yeah, I'm just in the creative cocoon hub stage <laughs> of things, and then you know, trying to. I have I had a real love hate relationship with social media for the longest time I really just wanted to ignore it and I had this fantasy that I wanted to be like you know an artist in the 70s you know just make my music sing my songs but um yeah during this time I've needed to kind of um be more active on there and I've started to enjoy it which is really nice because I thought it was something I'd just have to like grin and bear for Mm -hmm. my the rest of my life but um yeah, so just finding new ways to get creative with social media and like connecting with people um, and sharing music on there and having conversations. So I'm kind of like a digital social media artist at the moment until further notice. Yeah, I love it. What are you looking forward to to most? Dare we, dare we jinx mm. COVID? And if it's going to ruin any more things, which I'm sure it will for a while, but what are you, what are you looking forward to most? If we could just, you know, if you're said like in three months, it's all going to settle. What, that's what? optimistic. Well, I, that's a very optimistic. I don't want to be, be a Debbie Downer uh, and say two years, but um, let, when you can, what, what, what are you looking to do? Whether it's music or it could be anything else really. Well, well, musically, I mean, definitely playing a show, playing yeah. a show, having an audience talking to an audience you know giving something like with my energy with my actual person to people in the room and seeing people um and then in life I'm looking forward to like I really want to go to a festival and just have fun and just roll around in the grass and (laughs) mud and grass with wellies on music yeah I'm just like 
yeah miss kind of freely going out for dinners and stuff like yeah. parties with friends random nights out and yeah. all that stuff that's what hit me the most I think because it happened to me yesterday yeah and it's happened to me all through over the summer especially where I've pinged all these things in my calendar and then when lockdown happened I didn't go through and delete them all mm-hmm. so I get an alert being like today leave for Glastonbury oh. and I'm like no it's like today oh. you're meant to be seeing this guy at this arena I'm like no no and I didn't delete them and it's like every like three days I get an alert being like yeah that's not happening in my alternate life I would have been yeah I've been saying <laughs> yeah. that so yeah. often it's like if COVID haven't happened I'd be like in a field with a cider right now yeah. having the time of my life and they're like oh it's no. just normal in my bedroom yeah. alone <laughs> I just I, like even with Christmas coming up oh I'm not God. much of a big party animal when it comes to like going out and getting absolutely bladdered but I every year we do I do like a Christmas dinner for friends mm. and I realized yeah, I, I can't do that at all. Not even, especially now the tears are up because you can't even mix with anyone outside your, your, household. your household. So it's like, um, I mean, we are socially distanced now, but like, yeah, looks I like know. I'm doing that for one, <laughs> which it's, is depressing. It's gonna maybe be, two. It's going to be a tough Christmas this year. It is. It is. Um, I think. Yeah, I actually always get a bit sad at Christmas anyway because mm. I feel like, I mean, I'm coming from a very small family of just me and my mum. You know, yeah. I always used to compare myself to like every other family, you know, doing the big family dinner and stuff. So it was always kind of like a blue period. But um, yeah, I think for a lot of people, not being able to see family, not yeah. being able to have Christmas parties with friends, just not being able to travel really yeah. as well. It's going to be tough. Have you? Would you consider doing... Uh, I know, obviously, uh, depending once again on COVID, I mean, we should just put this in the bio, that that whole phrase. But um, obviously there are gigs happening where, well, starting to happen where they're like sit down gigs. Mm-hmm. So everyone's like eating or whatever. Yeah. Um, and would you ever consider doing yes. one of those? Yes, I would. Um, yeah, I'm hoping to do that in the new year. Amazing. I think, yeah, I think, you know, luckily my music I can strip it down very easily to like acoustic sets I've done a lot of that so I think it would work I I saw some really sad pictures of like socially distanced gigs which did put me off in the beginning but I asked a few people what their experience had been and it was all positive you know I think people just really appreciate being able to go out and do it and hear live stuff it's also like an I love an intimate gig Mm. don't get me wrong I love big you know big stadiums and and dancing and all that but I love an intimate gig some of my fondest memories with yeah. watching bands are from really small venues obviously that's slightly different now but I think I'd imagine it'd be I'd really enjoy that I think I had the same experience as you when you saw those initial pictures of yes. just like the sort of cattle pens with exactly. two chairs oh them. yeah I'm not talking about those and you'd be like <laughs> and you'd be like oh my god I was like why would anyone want to go and do that <laughs> But then a few of my friends went up north and they went to see Sam Fender in Newcastle and they were like, oh, no, it was just great hearing music again. Oh, was that like, intimacy? Oh, that's why people mm-hmm. are doing it. And then I went to one in a pub near mine and it it was. Oh, you've been to one? I went to one and it was, like, they did it outside. They managed to get a stage outside. Mm-hmm. There was the look, so many technical faults where I kept, because <laughs> the guys were like, oh, we've never done a gig before. And then there was the guys in the band that I went to school with and they just kept looking at me like, do you know what this is? And I was like, <laughs> I just came here to sit and watch. What the hell? But then just seeing like 
you'd have like two people on a bench here, two people on a chair there, and you were all like spaced out. It was just so nice being like around live music again. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm gonna take it however I can mm-hmm. get it. I think yeah. that's just what we're that's gonna beautiful. do. That's really yeah. beautiful. It's encouraging. Yeah. yeah, I went past the drove past the jazz cafe in um, yeah, Camden the other day, and they had an event. When I was waiting, I could see they were all like a few people going in for an event. Mm. I just thought, oh my god, Very I'm gonna have to look into this because. I just think I actually think I'd quite enjoy it. Obviously, it's not the ideal for a lot of for people, and especially when it comes to like income and finances and all that. But I think we've we haven't got much choice. We've got to deal with no, what we have yeah. at the moment we and, have to and cherish what we can do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think so. Um, finally, we always say to people if they have any tips or tricks when it comes to looking after their, either their mental health or perhaps they think would be beneficial to to listeners. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, I'm all about like getting the toolbox of things that works for you because all of our brains are different. Um, So over the years, I've tried this and tried that. And my my kind of uh, thing that I keep talking about right now is breath work. Yeah. I discovered the Iceman, the Wim Hof guy, Mm -hmm. who's amazing. He's got an incredible interview on the Joe Rogan podcast, which is where I heard about him. And he's got this 10 minute uh, breathing exercise and it's like you control your breath and it does like breath holds. But honestly, every time I do that, if I'm having like an anxious moment, which I do get, I do that for 10 minutes and it kind of resets me. So I'd really recommend like trying breath work exercises. Well, the good news is we're going to plug our plug our own. We yeah. <laughs> in between um, people will be able to say we are doing about a 10 minute grounding exercise, grounding exercise oh, podcast in between each podcast we do um so a lot of it's based on that and I'm a big fan of um not listening necessarily to two hours because it's me talking and <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that but but I'm a big fan of you know five seven eight or, or whatever mm-hmm. works for you um especially ground exercises and stuff yeah. and breathing exercises I think they're they're really helpful but as you say everything yeah. is different I, exactly. Yeah, I saw on Instagram as well you were doing crystal singing bowls. Yes. Oh, that's another one. Yeah. I talk Amazing. About that? I, so I literally, I feel like an absolute nutter and my boyfriend's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and my neighbours downstairs are like, oh my God, who is this? But I put on, um, on YouTube, which anyone can access, the crystal singing bowls and I hum to them. Like oh a my God, amazing. Um, and it just honestly, like it does. I mean, I've read there's papers that say these crystal singing bowls like are anti-anxiety and good for your immune system. It does something, the frequencies in there. But if you like just even to just listen to it and breathe, it does something healing. But if you sing to them uh, like, you know, just That's a amazing. random humming noise, it just it transforms you. So I'd recommend that as well. Oh, amazing. <laughs> How did you find out about that? It was in lockdown and I was like, oh my God, I don't know. I think I went into a YouTube hole. <laughs> just one thing led to, I think I was looking at breath work and like, like, it leads like on. binaural beats and stuff yeah. like that. And then I, I came across it and I was like, oh my God, that feels incredible. That's the joy of YouTube mm. though, isn't it? One minute you're listening to like a breath you know, video yeah. and the next you're watching <laughs> someone doing like chakra and getting hit with palm leaves yes. and, it's, it's, and you're finding out with these. Yoga. Yeah. Yeah, weird. <laughs> and you're finding yeah. out all these normal things. Um, yes. Amazing. Thank you so, so much for, for joining us. Um, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thanks for having me. Lovely to talk to you guys. Thank you so much to Jones for joining us this week. We learned so much about Crystal Bowl singing after the interview ended that we may be bringing her back to talk us through an exercise later on. If you want to give her a follow, 
All the social links are in the episode description, as well as the link to her new single. You can find all our social links there too, which, if you head on over to now, you'll be able to see the cover stars for issue two of our magazine. Yes, we have a magazine. We have our fingers in way too many pies. But thank you so much for joining us. And until next week, don't forget to keep your head above the clouds. Bye.